Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hello, and welcome to the Collider Podcast. I'm Collider Senior Editor Matt Goldberg, and with me is Managing Editor Adam Chitwood. Howdy, folks. And TV Editor Liz Shannon Miller. Hello. Today, we've got a bonus podcast for you. We're going to be talking about the Emmy nominations, which were announced yesterday. We thought we'd dig into what was nominated, what was snubbed, who might win, and just talk a little bit about uh, this year in television, I suppose, and (laughs) all these, you know, what's getting attention from the Emmys. Uh, But before we dig into that, uh, Liz, could you explain to us why, um, how does Emmy nominating work? What's the process and and why do we keep seeing sort of the same shows nominated year after year? It's a very good question. Uh, So the Emmy nominating body is called the Television Academy. Uh, It comprises the, the they the exact number is never is not a, I, I do I do not believe the official number is is like publicly available, but it's somewhere in the range of like twenty to thirty thousand voters. It's actually a pretty large group of people, but they're all broken up into various subcategories. Like you know, actors are actors nominate actors, uh, produce you know writers nominate writers, that sort of thing, and uh, yeah, it's it's a you know, the, the reason we tend to see a lot of the same things get nominated over and over again is a lot to do with the fact that, you know, a lot of the membership has been have, have been members for a very, very long time. They get very entrenched. They have a lot of favorites. Uh, that being said, it's a lot better than it used to be. Trust me. Uh, there were, you know, like the 90s, you just saw, you would just see the same five shows get nominated year after year after year. Uh, practice. Now the Always practice, the practice. The practice. L.A. Law had a really crazy run, uh, you know, and you know, even it, and it would it it's it's fascinating compa- to compare it to the film world where you know, the, it, where where similar things happen. Like you won't get like you can't nominate the same film over and over again, but you could sure can nominate the same directors over and over again, the same actors over and over again, uh, even if they haven't necessarily done anything worth nominating. We're looking at you, Robert De Niro. No. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So this year, um, you know, the nominations came out and there are the usual suspects, but there were a few sort of new, new kids on the block, I suppose, in terms of, uh, you know, you look at uh, new, new drama series, you got things like uh, the Mandalorian made its debut in there, but then you also had sort of, Oh, there's the crown again, and there's the Handmaid's Tale again, and and you and you kind of look to wonder is the Handmaid's Tale as good as now as it was in like season one when it got all that attention? Yeah, I should actually mention, you know, like I think a fa- another factor in the nominating process is, uh, I I believe I have this correct, and I apologize if I do not, but the it's the idea of preferential balloting, where uh, you know you can if like a bunch of people put like stranger things at their number five slot and only a few people put like oh if only a few people put let's say uh ryan murphy's hollywood at their number one slot like the 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 broader broader group of people picking like a a larger group of people picking uh the same nominee will have a bigger impact than a lot of people putting like 
uh, a number one thing at their number one slot. So like, yeah, like if if three people, you know, vote for for Hollywood and that gets it 30 points. But if 100 people vote for Stranger Things and for, at, you know, three points a pop, that's 300. Yeah. So, you know, it yeah. gets more points, essentially. Yeah. Sorry, I meant to mention that before. Uh, I should also mention for, for clarification's sake, uh, Hollywood and Stranger Things were not competing in the same category this year. Uh, those were just the two titles that came to mind. Off the top. Hollywood, a comedy? Oh, no, it's a limited series. Yes, right. exactly. Okay. Though, you know, who knows if they, I think they've, they've been, they, you know, like any limited series, they said, so they made vague noises about the fact that, oh, sure, we do another season if they, if, if people wanted it, like, they aren't precious about it. The, the Big Little Lies effect, Big Little Lies effectively killed the idea of a limited series. Yeah, no, it, it, it's to the point where anytime I've interviewed uh, creators of a limited series and since Big Little Lies uh, got greenlit for a season two, I basically say to them, look, it's not my fault. I have to ask this question. Blame Big Little Lies. Uh, <laughs> are you planning a season two? Anyway, yeah. so we got we got off the track a bit. Uh, but yes, this year's nominees. Uh, so let's let's start with um in terms of the out outstanding limited series uh the nominees were little fires everywhere mrs america unbelievable unorthodox and watchmen um what do you guys think about these nominees did was there anyone who was kind of overlooked someone who got in and maybe shouldn't have i mean it makes me really happy to see unorthodox there that was a show that you know i i i was it's that's one of those like rare times with when the Emmys choose to actually recognize something that may or may not have gotten the same amount of buzz that other shows did, but was genuinely great television and mm -hmm. deserves greater recognition. This is the kind of nom this is the kind of nomination that will make people seek out this show, which is a huge deal in this in this current climate. So I think like an Orthodox is a great win there. Um, there was very little doubt. I think for a lot of people that Watchmen would make it into this category, but that's still a lovely thing to see. And I think it's pretty safe to say that Watchmen's the favorite there. And uh, it, it was the nomination leader uh, across all television shows. Uh, so that, which is always a good sign for your, for your chances. Uh, you know, Mrs. America, I feel like didn't make quite the splash it could have in both in both in our culture and also at the nominations, but it's still great to see it's rec see it get recognized because I think that was a really well done uh, well done limited series, a very classic idea of the limited series. And uh, there 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 could be a Mrs. America season two, but you know it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't it would be pretty a pretty different thing. And uh, Little Fires Everywhere, I I was. I feel like that show had a lot of flaws, but it was also a really great powerhouse acting showcase for a lot of its a lot of its performers. So I am not upset at seeing it there, and it's also a very strong female led uh, female led uh, limited category in general. Like uh, Unbelievable is features three amazing female performances and is a very uh, a very you know hard but important story about sexual violence and yeah it's I, I i like this category it's a good category i will confess i did not know what unorthodox was until it was nominated i was like what is this show that's only because you don't care for the jews <laughs> that's, that's not a nice accusation to me on a podcast but, but, in 2020 
But that is exactly why it's such an important, it's perhaps yeah. the most important nomination of the entire year, just because it is the one, sh- it is one of the most under the radar shows, but it's getting all this incredible attention. Like it's a very small, intimate story about a young woman uh, who escapes her ultra Orthodox Jewish community to try to find her estranged mother in Germany. And, you know, it features a really great performance from its lead. And yeah, it's uh, a great, it's a great little victory. Yeah. No, for, I, for, I, for classic uh, underdog network, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a question. Um, because normal people to me was one of the best TV shows of the year, and it did seem like the it had pretty significant critical acclaim. And I know Paul Mescal was nominated for best actor, but Daisy Edgar Jones was not nominated for best actress. Um, and I think it got a like well, at least one directing nomination, which it definitely deserved. But in terms of, I mean, the other big X factor with the Emmys is campaigning. Um, and I'll confess to someone who uh, covers the Oscars more than the Emmys, I know more about Oscar campaigning than Emmy campaigning. But is this a case of Hulu putting most of their eggs in the little fires everywhere basket and not necessarily pushing the great or normal people, which didn't get a ton of attention? Uh, I mean, I definitely did not receive, I, I received at least one uh, FYC invite for little fires everywhere. Uh, I did not receive anything for the great or normal people and perhaps Perhaps they were banking on uh, the great and normal people receiving the benefit of uh, recency bias, which, uh, you know, Little Fires Everywhere could not claim because it was a slightly earlier show. It was it was it happened earlier in the year. But also, I mean, I think, quite frankly, uh, the 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 state of FYC campaigns this year was completely topsy-turvy uh I, I believe at least one or two networks i know hbo did this uh donate instead of actually putting money into an fyc campaign donated the the budget they would have used for that to uh either social justice causes or uh coronavirus relief because 2020 baby <laughs> that's nice uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful gesture and uh, a, a very a very valuable one because especially uh, I don't know if they disclosed how much they spend, but the amount of money that gets spent on these FYC campaigns is vi- in past years is vaguely horrifying. Uh, yeah. So you know, it take it takes some money to reach twenty thousand plus uh, people. So uh, yeah, I think I, I think it's hard it's hard to gauge what the FYC campaigning was like. My personal feeling is. Uh, I mean, normal people getting that nomination for directing is really important because I think it recognizes one of the show's strong, strongest qualities. I think what the one the thing that interested me about The Great was that it got both writing and directing nominations for its pilot. Uh, and I think that showcases how the Academy recognized just what a crazy tightrope of a show that it was. And recognizing how hard it was to do it so well, but I think the, I think honestly, category category confusion kind of hindered it a bit, uh, because I, I believe it was competing as a drama, which is typically what happens with hour long shows. But if that show competed as a comedy, I feel fairly confident. I, I, I have nothing upon which to base this because I'm not a psychic person. But I would, if Nicholas Holt had been able to campaign for lead actor in a comedy, that would have been something special. Yeah. Huzzah. 
Yeah. He's so good in that show. In just like three seconds and like one sentence, he runs through like seven different emotions and they're all perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. Like if he had been, uh, I'm double checking that the great was competing as a drama. Uh, Yes, it was. Oh, no, wait, I apologize. I am wrong. The great competed as a comedy. I'm really glad I double checked that. (laughs) Uh, So it did compete as a comedy. But for some reason, uh, Nicholas Holt did not manage to break in uh, to that race, which is a shame because it is it is a shockingly good performance. It what from what I, from either whatever side you consider it, but definitely from the comedy side, it is it is a striking one just because it isn't just funny; it's dark and scary as well. Yeah, I can't but stand it, up. But is but, it as good as Michael Douglas in the Kaminsky method? <laughs> That that is that is the Academy body showing its age. Uh, the Kaminsky method is such a is a show so tailor made to appease uh, the older members of the of the voting body, and I mean it's 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 a it's a low key charmer. I actually have to say I've I have actually watched the Kaminsky method. I do not hate the Kaminsky method. I think it is. Uh, I think it is very interesting to watch uh, watch Chuck Lorre genuinely try to like do something new and challenge himself after literally decades of multi-camera sitcoms and i think he's trying you know it's it is interesting to watch a man process death uh using uh using the medium of uh television uh process the uh the lingering specter if you will so that being said, uh, do I think it should be nominated every year? No. <laughs> Nicholas Holt is right there, guys. Right there. Well, let's you know, talking about shows nominated every year, let's talk a little bit about the Outstanding Comedy Series nominations. The, the nominees were Curb Your Enthusiasm, Dead to Me, The Good Place, Insecure, The Kaminsky Method, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Schitt's Creek, and What We Do in the Shadows. See? Um, and there's there's new stuff in there. Like I don't want to just be like every year what we do in the shadows. Like no, that was a really fun breakthrough. But then again, you also have like like all right, is is you know I don't know. I I, I will step. I will take a step back and and let and and Liz, you're our TV expert. What do you think? I actually think this is a remarkably fresh category for the okay. year. I think honestly, the only real holdover, uh, the only real holdover that I feel like you know was definitely a, well, we just always nominated it, so we have to nominate it, was The Marvelous Mrs. Basil, mm. uh, which I do not think had, like, I, I didn't, there are elements of season three that are really good, but uh, it was not, it's, it's not, it's not as, it's not this, it, I think season one was a great show. Uh, I think, see, it, you know, returning, re, re, you know, following seasons have been a little, you know, less. Uh, this season of Curb Your Enthusiasm was really good. Uh, That's what I hear. Uh, there, there is an uh, there is an episode with John Hamm where John Hamm is uh, researching Larry David for a role, and you get to see John Hamm do Larry David uh, <laughs> on that basis alone. <laughs> uh, but it's I, I think I mean it it is you know it is Curb Curb is in many ways Curb, but. It, this was a really strong season for it. So that nomination doesn't make me mad. Honestly, the fact that uh, Dead to Me and What We Do in the Shadows, which were both in their second seasons, uh, 
it's hard for a second season show that didn't get nominated as first season to break into this category. So for Dead to Me and What We Do in the Shadows to both do it and both be both do so on the basis of pretty strong second seasons, I think is a really, you know, strong move for it. Would I rather would I would I prefer seeing the great in there? Yes, absolutely. But uh, you know, in both but I think, you know, especially what we do in the shadows, like that that's a show that has no star power, that is a very quirky show in a lot of respects. Uh but I mean I, I say no star power, but of course, you know, Guillermo is Guillermo and we love him. Uh yeah, I think I, I, I feel like this is a category where, you know, like I said, Mrs. Maisel's the only one where I feel like it was kind of a legacy holdover. Schitt's Creek, uh, you know, Schitt's Creek, I, I feel like has its uh, detractors as many as much as it does have its passionate fans. But and but it's it, it's pretty traditional for a final season to get this sort of recognition. I it's a it's it's an interesting category for sure. Uh, do you do you have a favorite in terms of who you think might might win this year? Oh, might win. Mm. Oh, that's really tough because. Uh, my, my instinct is to say Maisel. Cause it won the last two years, correct? Yeah. And I think like, there's no, I, I don't think there's a clear favorite and that's actually really interesting. Uh, mm. I, 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 I would be, I, I might look up, uh, what the, what the odd made odds makers have on it. I mean, honestly, it'd be, I don't think, I don't, I do not believe curb has ever won. I should look that up, but, uh, curb could, could put, pull it out like just because you know it's been around for a really long time people really like it and uh you know it it, it I, i've been seeing a lot of people talk recently online about how you know th- like curb is the only show they can watch right now like it's very it's very satisfying for them uh in in, in times like these I do think with Maisel, it's kind of like a comfort show. Uh, and I enjoyed season three more than others. But it, even at the end of it, I turned to my fiance. I was like, Midge didn't change at all. <laughs> there was no arc this season. Um, although it does set up an interesting next season for those characters. Um, but I don't know. It does feel like the craft of that show kind of elevates it a little bit. It's so cinematic. And I didn't catch up to it until a little later. And I was kind of pissed that it won Best Directing. And then when I finally saw the first season, I was like, oh, OK. Yeah, this is yeah. pretty impressive. I'm scanning over uh, goldderby.com and a lot of the experts have the top, their top slot either to are giving their top slot either to the Maisel or to Schitt's Creek. Mm. And again, a final season can go a long way. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised the good place isn't higher in the conversation, but that's also such a weird little quirky show. And I know a lot of people had issues with the fourth season. So who knows? Yeah. Good place is weird. Cause I adore it but it took a long time for it to really kind of break in there into the Emmy race. And even this season, it only got nominated for writing for the finale. Um, and didn't get any other writing nominations. I don't think, or any directing nominations and Kristen Bell obviously didn't get nominated, but it did get nom. but, but Danson got nominated as did, um, William Jackson Harper and, uh, Darcy, Darcy Carden. Carden. Yeah. 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 Which so that's great. Yeah, and, and uh, it, it, it's William Jackson Harper's, I believe, second nomination, but Darcy's first, which yeah. is lovely. Yeah. Well-deserved, because that is she, her performance is really incredible. Yes. Shadows was interesting, and I do think, uh, you know, a, a recurring theme in this conversation will probably be FX, which, uh, I don't know, I still think people underrate FX. They think of, you know, HBO and Netflix as kind of the big heavyweights, but 
you know, even going back to like the Americans and American crime story FX is, is a pretty heavy hitter. Fosse Verdon, um, and shadows. I'm currently in the middle of season one, which I'm finding pretty rough, but I, I've heard it gets a lot better in season two. Um, yeah. It, 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 it takes a little while to find its voice, especially it, which is a little odd given that it has such a strong template it's working off of. Yeah. But yeah, I, I also had, I also kind of floundered my way through season one, but season two, uh, you know, season two got me. Uh, there's some really great stuff in season two. Uh, it really, I think I, I found that focusing on Guillermo uh, as a character, really, like, it, it, I think it's, I think it's one of those shows where it's hard to figure out who you want to root for. Yeah. And uh, Guillermo, Guillermo kind of like, slowly but surely becomes the, the lead of the show. Like he becomes the central character. And once once that kind of comes, once that kind of gels, it's a lot. It's a lot more fun. I think I, I don't know. It does feel like Shit's Creek could really have an edge there, though, because it's such a just purely joyous show. Like that mm-hmm. is a very pure feel good show. And I think if they put Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara front and center and run a it's her time for Catherine O'Hara kind of campaign, that would be a delight to see her accept an Emmy. I, I absolutely agree. Like, I think, you know, it's one of those things where I'm not even a huge Shit's Creek fan, but I will. How you know, dare you? I know. Get I know. out. I'm fired into the sun. I'm also but, not a huge Shit's Creek fan. I'm like, it's fine. But looking at that, <sighs> looking at the category this year uh, the, for lead actress in a comedy, you know, you got Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini for Dead to Me. And both of them are very good in that show. But that feels like a vote splitter. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan is, of course, a you know, one of the best aspects of Maisel, but she's one, she's already won. Like you could say she's had her turn. Uh, it's, I, I feel like Issa Rae deserves an Emmy, like give Issa Rae an Emmy. I'm all for it, but I don't know if, uh, I don't know if she or Tracy Ellis Ross could beat Catherine O'Hara, especially for given the fact that both of them, both of them are still in the race and will still will continue to be in the race. Whereas this is uh, Catherine O'Hara's last shot for Schitt's Creek. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I, I I don't think her odds are bad. Well, let's let's move on then to uh, outstanding drama series, where the sure. nominees are Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, Ozark, Stranger Things, and Succession. And I was I I, I will I will fully admit that like I'm not I don't watch as much TV as, as you guys do, but I did I was mad online about like where is Mindhunter? <laughs> like where that the happened show? during season I think Mind, the Mindhunter ship sailed two years ago when Netflix did absolutely nothing for it and Fincher didn't even get any directing nominations for season. I mean, but one. I'm still like it's such a better show. <laughs> like even people who like Killing Eve were like, Yeah, season three wasn't that good. <laughs> so like for me, like Mindhunter to me was like such a great like to to kind of do the procedural, a procedural crime show in such a unique way to me was just sort of amazing. But I get but see, that's the thing. I think that's sort of something that we, we touched on at the beginning was sort of like, what is the network going to push, you know, mm-hmm. and for Netflix, there's not a lot of upside to pushing uh, Mindhunter because there's not going to be a season three of Mindhunter. You know, there's not going to be more of it. It's this is all you get. So it's it's but it's still frustrating to me as a fan of that show. Yeah, I mean, you no one can say that they didn't. It, no one can say that they didn't push. Uh, I, I, maybe my double ne- negatives might be screwed up there. But 
Netflix definitely put its weight behind Mindhunter season one, and the show just didn't pull it out. And I think honestly, the fact the fact is, uh, a lot of times Emmy Emmy campaigns can't be really dependent on talent participation. And if David Fincher is not going to go out there and stump for Mindhunter, uh, it's going to be really hard to get attention for it. Uh, I think. I mean, I I and I have nothing against Mindhunter. It's not a particular favorite of mine. Uh, but I, 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 I do think that Killing Eve season three was not on the level it needed to be to be re- to be a real competitor in this category. I'm also a Ozark whatever uh, person. Uh, I think everyone is an Ozark whatever person. Although I did enjoy season three quite a bit. Um, I feel like I feel like Ozark is a classic aunts and uncle show where your aunt and uncle. <laughs> It's like, who who is watching Ozark, your aunt or your uncle? Every Thanksgiving, uh, your aunt. Have you seen Ozark? <laughs> it's so dark and edgy. Uh, it's very basic. But sometimes, yeah. I mean, it toes that line between like a really great procedural show or, or a really great like prestige show and then like a really easy to digest procedural show. So it's like the procedural version of a prestige drama, kind of. Because it's like just CBS sad. attempted a prestige drama. Yeah. I mean, it's better than that, because I do think the performances are good. I think Julia Garner is really great in that show. Um, and this last season, uh, Tom Pelfrey was fantastic, I thought, um, playing Laura Lenny's brother. Um, and the filmmaking, I thought, in season three was better. Oh, no, overall, I thought season three was the best season of the show um, so far, but still doesn't really touch... I mean, the first two seasons are a pale imitation of Breaking Bad, and it still yeah. doesn't touch those heights. Yeah, the, the, the thing I find frustrating is the fact that the, theoretically a show where Laura Linney helps run a drug, a, a crime empire, that should be my shit. <laughs> and the fact that I can't seem to get into Ozark is frustrating to me because I want to watch Laura Linney become a you know, crime kingpin. Uh, that sounds interesting to me. I just I, I do not know. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's a weird category. This it, it, like a, a Handmaid's Tale is also one where I almost like I had to double check that it got nominated. For some reason, I initially thought that it got left out. But uh, you know, I liked season three. I thought season three did a lot of really crucial world building that made a lot of sense to me. But I do also think that you know there are maybe other shows that could have swapped in for it. Uh, it that being said. I, I maybe I just love the chaotic energy of it, but I love Mandalorian getting nominated. I love it. I'm here for it. I br- let, let let the power of Baby Yoda take over the Emmys. Like <laughs> like what what else are we doing with the Emmys? Like if 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 we must per- persist in this exercise, let us at least let Baby Yoda get an Emmy. <laughs> I. I did not see the Mandalorian on most people's predictions. I kind of had a feeling that it might get nominated just based purely on the fact that it was such a groundbreaking show from a technical standpoint. Um, And I think even from the filmmaker's own admission, season one was very much a kind of like a tech demo. I mean, John Favreau described it as like they they purposefully set out to make a very simple story because they needed to make sure the tech would work. So all of that stuff and the volume and everything, which I think is probably going to be the future of filmmaking now, because now you don't have to travel to Italy to get a really good uh, like VFX background. Not only not only do you not have to travel to Italy, you can control Italy. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> yes. huh, the sun isn't high enough. And then you just move it, move it. just yeah. move it up a little bit and like, OK, the sun is where we need it. It's it's the Truman Show. You can cue the sun. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, 
And I, but I do think it is, it's a tell that that show did not get any acting, writing, or directing nominations. Um, Incorrect. It got an acting nomination. It got two acting nominations. Voice acting? Voice acting for Taika. And no, uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito is a two-time nominee this year. He was nominated for Best Guest Actor for Moth Gideon. Really? Yep. That, that is that is one of its 15 nominations. 15. <laughs> but I, I think I mean, you're, you're totally fair on the point that where it didn't get any writing or directing nominations. But I think it also uh, it reminds me of how of the uh, the trick that I, I got I got told years ago about when it comes to voting on in your Oscar pool, where if you get like you get the full ballot, uh, you don't start from the top down. You start from the bottom up and you start with all the technical awards. Because uh, basically, if you start noticing that you're vote, you're you're picking the same, uh, if like, let's say let's say it's the year of Titanic, you keep nominate, you keep picking Titanic as your winner in all the technical categories. By the time you get to the top, who votes for the you know everyone in the Academy votes for the top awards. Uh, so if it's uh, you know if if uh, a bunch of technical people you know, are voting for the Mandalorian in the technical categories when they get to the, when they get, when it gets time, time to nominate the best series. Yeah. Uh, the show that was the arguably one of the greatest technical achievements of last year will may sneak into the drama series category. Interesting. Uh, that's just my theory. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. I mean, it is, it is up for grabs. What we haven't mentioned is that now that Game of Thrones is off the air, it's treat is done. So it was Mad Men and then Breaking Bad and then Handmaids and then Game of Thrones in terms of like the winners, right? Is that... I believe so. Let me <laughs> but I don't think Game of Thrones won last year. I think. No, it did. Else... it did. It, it did. It did for its final season. Yeah. Yep. For that for that season? Yep. That for that season. Wow. It won, it won drama series and then either writing or directing. I think it was one of those like it didn't win a ton, but it won. A it few. didn't win a ton, but it did. It did pull it out. Um, yeah. <laughs> laughable anyway i think so, I, here's to well, the mandalorian this year well yeah. honestly i feel like in terms of like buzz and like the show that like people keep thinking about especially because of what's happening in the world it feels like this is successions year yeah um just it's just it's such a it, it a show that's so like i still it's a show that i'm planning to watch before the emmys like that's my goal is to finally catch up on it but like I don't, I feel like it's a show. Like people reference it on Twitter all the time. Like it's like people, it's it remains in the zeitgeist in a way that like, like I enjoyed season three of The Crown, but no one talks about The Crown except me and my wife, <laughs> and we were like, oh, The Crown is really good, but no one is ever talking about like The Crown. I mean, The Crown, The Crown definitely lacks a buzz factor, but it is so well made. It's incredibly I, well made. I think I think it's one of those legacy holdovers where I'm totally okay with it because it's like it's not like the quality of The Crown went down. It's like The Crown delivered Crown level crownness, <laughs> yes. and thus it got recognized for its crownity. It is um, exactly the show it sets out to be. <laughs> yes, um, it crowned its real its, its way real good. Um, so I want to go. I, I I feel like this will be fun. I, I just looked up uh, the drama winners going back uh, to 2005. Can you guys remember what won in 2005? Um, well, the the I let's see. Adam had it. It's lost. yeah. That, I was about to say yeah. Lost one for season one. Yes. Okay. So lost. So it's 2005. It's lost. 2006. It's 24 for season. Oh yeah. Season, season yep. five and 24. That's right. Uh, 2007. It's The Sopranos. 2008, it's Mad Men. Uh, uh, 2008, it's Mad Men. 2009, it's Mad Men. 
2010, it's Mad Men. 2011, can you guess it? It's Mad Men. Because um, they tied the West Wing record, and then the next year the Emmys were like, fuck you, Mad Men. They yep. just fell out of love with the show. Uh, Homeland season one takes it in 2012. Uh, yeah. Then 2013 is Breaking Bad. 2014 is Breaking Bad. And then 2015, Game of Thrones does not win a best drama until season five. Uh, and that's in 2015. Uh, then it's past se- prime. Little past his prime. Then 2016, it's a uh, Game of Thrones again. Uh, 2017, that's The Handmaid's Tales year. Then 2018, it's ha- it's Game of Thrones again. And then 2019, it's Game of Thrones again. So, uh, yeah, this is a wild year. Uh, you know, looking at last year, uh, the repeats uh, from to this year are Better Call Saul, Killing Eve, Ozark, Succession. Uh, and that's it. Uh, Pose got sadly shut out, which is, I mean, if Billy Porter got nominated again for Best Actor, which is fantastic, but Pose... I think had, Pose was better than Killing Eve uh, in its second season. I think Pose season two was really special, because uh, especially because Pose had Pose's, Pose's mandate is we're going to tell stories about queer lives in the late '80s, early '90s, but we're not going to make them tragedies. Which is when you know anything about queer queer life in uh, in New York City in the late '80s and early '90s is an insane challenge to put to yourself, but somehow. Pose did it. Uh, so for, on that basis alone, it should have been nominated. Uh, I'm not sad that This Is Us got shut out because that show is that show. I, I don't hate it, but I am also totally fine with w- where things landed in that respect. I mean, and, and then the fact that, it, and, and I don't even, if I just see Stranger Things on the nominations list and I just glaze over and I don't pay attention. Which is yeah, how I, I thought, feel about Stranger Things as a show. Oh. I thought Stranger Things 3 was, was the show's strongest season. And I was, I mean, not surprised that it fell out. Because again, as we've seen, even with something like Girls, like when the Emmys fall out of love with you, they fall out of love with you. And they, they rarely come back and like roaring back, willing to give you anything. Um, uh, yeah, Stranger Things was weird. Because I even on a technical achievement, I really loved the look of season three. Um, I liked that mall and, and the relationship between Hopper and, and Eleven. I thought was interesting. But it's, I mean, it's the equivalent of like TV's blockbuster show now that Game of Thrones is off. Uh, kind of like the audience fan favorite. Well, and also like telling that they, the, the voters didn't go for Westworld. That was, yeah, yeah that was interesting. Because HBO usually dominates because they have the most amount of voters. And so for Westworld to not get a Best Drama Series nomination. This might be very silly of me to say. And it's especially because they weren't competing in the same category. But for some reason, maybe it's, it's they, they both start with the letter W. They both have the, almost exactly the same number of no- letters in their names. For some reason, uh, my brain runs up against the Westworld uh, Watchmen uh, confluence and like hits a brick wall. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's not that I, I basically forget that they're two different shows, uh, which is ridiculous. There's no, absolutely no reason for this. But uh, yeah, uh, Stranger Things did get more nominations than I think I remembered, but uh, they're all technical. Like yeah. they're all like stunt coordination and music, uh, music supervisor. I mean, and the music supervisor for Stranger Things, of course, deserves a lot of attention because that show is has a really great uh, use of uh, its its music. But yeah. And then, uh, I mean, Westworld, maybe it hurt it that it was off the air for like two years. And I don't think that's going to change for the next go around either. 
So. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I like I liked season three. I thought it was uh, it did it, I think it did a really nice job of answering complaints about season two and also trying to really move the story forward. Especially because I, I remember like going back and trying to rewatch season two in the lead up to season three and realizing how little I cared about anything that happened inside the park and was I was only interested in stuff that happened outside the world, outside in the world. And so I was all for a season that largely took place in outside in the world of the of that universe. <laughs> but yeah, the big the the big tragedy for me is Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, because that used to dominate the directing nominations and the writing nominations, um, and even acting. Odenkirk he didn't even get a Best Actor nomination this year. I mean, honestly, the the real real tragedy there is Ray Seahorn. Yeah. Like Ray, because people people have been say, weren't just saying that Ray should not be nominated this year. This was supposed to be her year to win. Yeah. And, uh, but unfortunately the power, the power of Meryl, uh, could not be stopped. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I am 99% convinced that Meryl Streep took uh Ray Seahorn's, uh, slot. And I am annoyed. <laughs> like, does I, it feel like now that there's more TV than ever, does it feel like older shows are kind of being pushed aside a little bit? In favor of stuff like uh, even like Killing Eve, which is relatively new, um, uh, you know, Ozark, maybe stuff like that. Uh, like, is I guess my question is, is Better Call Saul too old now? Or are they put, kind of pushing it out? Well, I think the, the, the basic fact of the matter is that Better Call Saul always did pretty well nominations wise, but it never won a single award. Yeah. Uh, it for it all four seasons. It was all four of the past Emmys it's competed in. Uh, it's always done very well. But it's never won. And I think that basically took its toll. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, you know, I think even the I think even the actors like stopped campaigning because they were just like, what? Why are we campaigning for awards? We're not going to win. And so that's why I mean, it, 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 that's not true. This I mean, I will say Ray Seahorn. You know, I personally interviewed her for for as a part of an Emmys conversation. I know she did a lot of other stuff. Like she she was campaigning this year. She and she deserved an Emmy nomination. So it's yeah. it's not like I I don't want to say that that like I I don't want to say that she, no one was campaigning or anything. It's just I think the basic basic fact of you know the show never got the traction it needed uh, on on that extra level. Yeah. Do you think yeah. this is? Succession's year, then it could be. Uh, I think I, I think we kind of. I feel like I feel like Succession definitely had a new level of buzz this year that it didn't have in season one. A lot more people, I feel like, were paying attention to season two. I think uh, I think I think this could be a, its year in a couple, in at least a couple of key categories. I don't know if it'll take uh, best drama, just because. But that category is also really up in the air now. So yeah. who knows? Uh, I mean, I think it's interesting because it's like, you know, we kind of started off talking about like, why do the Emmys keep nominating the same shows over and over again? And now we're talking about, well, why aren't the Emmys nominating the stuff that they used to <laughs> the nominate? Same, the same show. Why, why aren't you nominating the same actors over yeah, and over Yeah, what again? happened? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, make up your mind, Emmys. Uh, either, either, either recognize new and exciting stuff or, uh, you know, keep recognizing the old stuff. Like, pick one. But I only think. the old stuff I like. Yes, that, that, yeah. is, that is the key difference. Um, Next year, a bunch of nominations for This Is Us. No, not like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I meant. Not what I meant. 
I do think season two of Succession was uh, better than season one. And I say this as someone who likes season one, but it, uh, I think you're right. I think it feels like, I mean, I would not be surprised if Sarah Snook won uh, and she's fantastic in that show. Um, Jeremy Strong as well. I mean, I think like Sarah Snook would have to beat out Helena Bottom Carter, uh, which given that Helena Bottom Carter is probably one of the best aspects of the crown season three is a tough one, but I would, I, I, I would love to see it. Um, I, I would be, a, I would be a fan. That chaotic Shiv energy there. The chaotic Shiv energy, man. She is so good. She's great. Everyone on that show is great. It's, it's kind of surprising how that entire ensemble works so well. And I think one of the strengths of that show, what they found out after a few episodes in season one is that when all the characters are together in a room is when it's best. And you never see huge ensembles like they'll all get together like once every three episodes. But now the whole show is just like them trying to find ways to get them all together and just like yelling at each other and messing with each other. And it's yeah. delightful. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, the thing with Sarah Snook is that I, I saw Predestination, uh, the movie she did with Ethan Hawke years oh, that ago. That was crazy. Yes. And one of those things where it's like she was such an unknown at the time. And it's one of those, you're watching that performance. You're like, this person needs to be a star. Yeah. That's, and, that was my takeaway, too. And But the thing is, you, I, I've said that so many times watching little indie movies, and it never happens. And then all of a sudden, this HBO show comes along, and now we're all talking about Sarah Snook, and it, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> and I always forget she's Australian, because her American accent is so good. Oh, it's so annoying when that happens. <laughs> um, so is there anything else you guys want to add, now that we've gone through the major the major categories obviously we could keep there are about 117 emmy categories so we could just keep going and going and going but uh this, this might be a good point to wrap it up unless there's anything else you guys want to add about this year no i mean uh, it, i i will say that uh the supporting actor in a drama series it, on, on the topic of succession uh you've got nicholas braun kieran colkin and matthew McFadden all competing <laughs> against each other uh and impossible uh, choice impossible choice though i personally feel like matthew mcfadden uh is doing something next level in on succession and uh <laughs> I, wa I watched the joe wright pride and prejudice for like the first time all the way through recently it's one of my fiance's favorite movies and like she knows him as mr darcy and it was hard for me to take him seriously as mr darcy because mm. i just know him as you know this kind of bumbling really sad sack guy on succession it it is he is fascinating because he is so like he is so good at doing so many different types of character like and he can pull off like that really strong dark brooding leading man and then also be an insane goofball yeah uh, like uh uh he's there's this uh british spy series called mi5 some it's, it's called mi5 here in the states sometimes its original british title was spooks it's a great, like, it's a great little thriller of a show, uh, if you can track it down. And uh, Matthew McFadden stars in the first few seasons. And he's just, like, he's just basically James Bond. Uh, <laughs> but, like, a cooler James Bond. Like, a cooler, just, like, very practical, low-key James Bond. It's great. So, Matthew McFadden is the best, is, I guess, my final point. Also, <laughs> uh, I mean, th they're just already engraving Regina King's Emmy, right? Like, that's yes. happening. Yeah. yeah like yeah. that's important that, yes. i mean i i, I think sorry, i mean talk about impossible choices those acting categories in the limited series are also stacked with all those watchmen people um yeah that are terrific and writing and directing i i am very much looking forward to seeing that show dominate 
Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Any. However it happens, if it's just like <laughs> Regina King in her house, it, it might take a little of the magic away uh, as opposed to, you know, award shows are silly, but sometimes when it's someone you really want to win, it's it's kind of fun to see them get up there in front of everybody. Yeah. It, yeah. It, at least we can like, we at least we have our Oscar win to, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Are they are they gonna pump in like audience noise like uh like, like they do at baseball games? <laughs> baseball games now. I mean they might. I I actually it, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. Like yeah. I I think I think they're I think actually watching the Emmy nominations announcement like the fact that they had a two camera setup for Leslie Jones, uh, in their virtual studio wherever that was like, I think that that that's an indication that they're going to try to do something a little beyond just people in their houses uh, with. Where their air their their AirPods. It's literally just going to be Jimmy Kimmel calling people and saying like, "You won." Yeah. <laughs> what do you have to say? <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I was. You're going to be brutal. Is if they put cameras in houses of like you know like on normal award shows like right before they announce. Oh yeah. They show the camera <laughs> on all five nominees. This time they show like five people like sitting by their phones and only one of the phones rings. <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty brutal. And there's a delay, so you see, like, the person giving the speech and the other person's still waiting. <laughs> and, and, uh... They could still call. They could still call. <laughs> or, or what if, like, one of those people has, like, an asshole friend who calls them at the exact moment? <laughs> no, mom, mom, no, I, I told no. you, don't call me right now. No, not right now. This can go so horribly wrong. All right. Uh. Well, we'll be sure to talk about that uh, when the when the winners are announced. Um, so, uh, Liz, thank you so much for joining us. We love having yes. your expertise and your voice, and uh, just thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Uh, if you ever want me to come back again and uh, talk, I, I can talk about movies. I know movies. I've seen a few. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You should definitely go to Collider and read all of Liz's stuff. She just put together this incredible anniversary oral history of uh, pizza.net from the movie The Net starring Sandra Bullock. You can read right now on Collider.com. It's amazing. Uh, we're just so happy to have her uh, on Collider and you should read all of her stuff. Yes. It's been a, such a pleasure. I've, I've been having the best time. So if people want to follow you on Twitter, Liz, where can they find you? I am on Twitter at L-I-Z-L-E-T. Uh, that's Lizlet. I, it's an old, an old nickname, and I am stuck with it forever. <laughs> and Adam, where can people find you? At Adam Chitwood. You can find me at Matt Goldberg. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with you next week. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, from negative to positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you gotta play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. 
Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.